Good morning. As we're on our road trips throughout this summer, I want to talk to you about a passage in Mark 2, beginning with verse 1. As you know, I am pastor of Foundry in charge of relating to the community and strategizing our involvement there. And as such, I'm the uh, executive director of Hope Disaster Recovery as we're endeavoring to restore 65 homes to pre-disaster condition and helping many others in lesser ways. I hope uh, we have your prayers and your support. And one of the things I've been saying is it is hard work helping people. Jesus knew that. And if anybody tries to help others as Jesus commands us to do, you will discover the same. But it is a blessing. It says in uh, Mark chapter 2, a few days later when Jesus again entered to Capernaum, the people, and by the way, Capernaum became his headquarters. That was where Peter's mother-in-law lived and, and Jesus used her house as his headquarters because he was driven away from his people at his home. The people there in Capernaum heard that he had come home, and they gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left for them, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them there. Some men came, bringing to him a paralytic man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it through the roof, and then lowering the mat of the man down to the front of Jesus. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. And of course, there were some teachers of the law there sitting, criticizing Jesus, saying, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking. And so he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to him, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home, son. And he got up, took his mat, and and walked home in full view of everyone. And this amazed everyone, that, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. <clears throat> so now consider this. One of my close friends for some time until she passed away was Judy Durker, wife of Larry Durker. And we all knew her as a kind, kind person and a friend to those who hurt and those who needed help. On weekdays, she would often and regularly be found driving chronically ill people to the medical center for ongoing treatment. It would last for months, these trips would. And Sundays, I frequently saw her sitting in front of our, in our worship venues next to an elderly person whom she picked up to bring to the church. She befriended many who couldn't, they couldn't care for themselves, and so she would do it on their behalf. She was a special kind of a person, and she was the kind of person we read about in, 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 this, uh, in, in this story. In the scripture lesson, we read about four guys who did what Judy did. They carried a paralyzed man on a stretcher to Jesus while others flocked to Jesus to be blessed by him 
and by his teachings and be mesmerized by his power to heal. These guys came to seek a life-altering blessing for their friend instead. They were so excited about what Jesus could do for him. But when they arrived at the house where Jesus was teaching, it was so crowded they could not get in. They couldn't get anywhere near the place. No one made a way for them either. Talk about missing the point of what Jesus was teaching. Assuming that the people gathered together around Jesus comprised of the church, we can assume that the church was so focused on getting close to Jesus that they were unaware of the special need of this individual. So he was blocked access to Jesus by the church itself. We ought to think about ways in which we still do that today. But thank goodness the friends were resourceful and they didn't give up easily. Can you imagine the commotion they caused, the hushing and dirty looks they got when they proceeded to hoist this man to the top of the roof and started digging a hole in the roof? Can you see the dirty looks down below from those who are closest to Jesus and are getting covered with dust and debris? You know, my mantra these days is it's hard helping people. Jesus knew that, and these four guys learned that. And, uh, and because they learned that, they, uh, they were able to uh, be prepared for that, and they were not put off. It was uh, hard for these four friends to get close enough to Jesus. It was hard to gain access to him. And it wasn't for them, it was for their friend. But they were determined. They didn't give up. And they became resourceful. Even as the church gathered around Jesus, even as all of those gave them dirty looks and repeatedly hushed them, they would not give up. But Jesus wasn't put off in the least, you noticed. He was filled with compassion, it says. I love how the text points out that when Jesus saw the faith of the friends, not of the individual, when he saw the friend's faith, he forgave the man's sin and healed him. There's a proverb that says, one who has unreliable friends soon soon will come to ruins. But there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. The paralytic could not have brought himself to Jesus on account of his circumstances. He had four friends that stuck closer than brothers. He relied on them and on their faithfulness so that he too could experience the grace of God. And he had to rely on them to have belief and to have faith that perhaps he didn't have. And he relied on them to help him get around the church that was blocking his way. You know, the folks inside and outside the building were so intent to hear the sermon that they missed the whole message. So there was a time that Jesus was teaching and the people started to bring their children for him to bless. And when the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. But Jesus called the children to him and said, let the children come to me and do not hinder them for to such the kingdom of God belongs. I tell you, anyone who will not receive a kingdom of God like this little child will never enter it. This week I encourage you to think about who you should go out of your way for to bring the church where they can experience the wholeness of God's grace. 
Surely it starts with your children and grandchildren, but it doesn't stop there. Are these their neighbors? Are their relatives? Are their co-workers, fellow students who do not have the faith or the means to get there? And then there are people who don't quite feel qualified. They're intimidated because they find the church doesn't give way for them and doesn't welcome or usher them in. They don't have the nice clothes. They don't know the lingo. They don't know what's going on, where to sit, where to go. They're all alone and no one greets them. They don't have friends to show them around. Will you be that friend for them this Sunday? John Wesley, founder of Methodism, reminds us that caring for another is the highest calling. He said, do all the good you can by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as ever you can. May this be our prayer as we aspire to be among the helpers that Jesus relies on so he can bless the people who need it the most. So I've got some questions for you. Are you going out of your way to bring others to Jesus? And if you're in church, do you go out of your way to make people feel welcome? Do you make a way for others to access the grace of Jesus Christ, especially the disenfranchised, that they may gain access to the healing grace of God and the forgiving grace? Do you make people truly feel welcome? I hope you have a great rest of the summer. Happy travels.